0: Father, this morning we just come to you once again. The time of the ministry of the word. We need you, Lord, to understand. Unless you touch your our ears, our minds, our eyes, we will not see, we will not hear, we will not understand. Give us understanding this morning, Lord. Give us, Lord. That we really understand what is happening, what is coming, and how we will not survive without you. Open our eyes this morning. Cleanse us by your word. Surrender the word that we are about to hear into the hand, Spirit of God. Use it as you see fit. It's your word. Thank you, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We were looking at Joshua chapter 3. We were looking over the weeks because we are moving more than a new year, I believe. I believe in 2018, the world shifted completely into a different tangent altogether. We are moving into times which nobody has any clue how things are going to change. Therefore, we go back into a generation who was moving into a time which nobody knew what was going to happen except God, who had seen or who sees the end from the beginning. So there, Joshua 1 to 3 actually Okay, Joshua rose early in the morning, they set out, okay, we read all that. And so it was after three days, okay, after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Reason? No one has gone this way before. Okay. Like, uh, when I teach in this rural uh, churches, no? It's interesting how they like little illustrations, no? When I tell them, when you read scripture, like, uh, no? You know it so well when you say, you no? Know, a simple example, this is my, this is my new pen, okay? Five words, five meanings. The same way, when you read scripture, don't read fast. That is what meditation means. Meditation means, doesn't mean committing you to memory. No, that's memorizing. Meditation meaning slowly going it. The English term we use is with a fine tooth comb. You know, with which you use to get your lice out. Like that. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the trees, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. They are asked to keep their eyes on two things. We always think it is one thing. Keep your eyes on the ark. God says no. Keep your eyes on the ark, which is a visible thing for them, for us. It's not a visible thing. That's Christ. Second, the priests who carry it. Remember that. Even when you study scripture in the Old Testament, you will see, we'll come back back to that later, but let me give you a preview. There were thousands of priests and Levites serving in the temple courts, but only a very few were commissioned to carry the ark. That was the testimony of God. And God is telling to us in the new covenant, there are plenty of servants of God Follow those who carry and value the testimony of God in their lives. Because you may not be able to see Christ. But you will be able to see men and women who are zealous for God and their testimony. Watch them and follow them. Because there are a lot of quacks in this business. So this morning as we look into the word of God, the first Sunday of this month, on Wednesday... Remember, the entire thrust of the gospel, the gospel, is not about this life. It's not about this world. It's not about this world and this life. It is called the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's about a kingdom that is here and is coming. It's about the kingdom. So don't change the gospel. And don't listen to people who change the gospel and turn the gospel upside down and make it about this life and this world. It is not the gospel. The gospel is about the kingdom. And the kingdom has secrets. Jesus said the secrets of the kingdom is not given to them. It is given to you. And don't ever think you is me and you. Unless He opens our eyes progressively to the secrets of the kingdom. Therefore when Jesus taught, he taught in parables. Parables are like riddles. And if you read the parables, the lots of parables, almost every parable will begin like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And then when it comes to the parable about the sword, right? He says that is the parable of parables. Okay? Why I'm telling you is that be serious in your study. Of your word, like children are all anxious, pre-request all about exams starting, they all want to pass. But this is important in your life. But not so important. This is what is going to determine your eternity. Eternity is going to determine whether we have understanding about the kingdom and how we appropriate into our lives. It's going to decide our entire eternity. First, whether we will be with God or without God. In heaven or hell. Two, if in heaven, where in heaven? What in heaven? Everything is going to be determined by how we seek the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things which we are all worried about. He says, I'll keep adding. I'll keep adding. Okay, So there are parable after parable after parable after parable talking about the kingdom. So the study of parables is incredibly interesting and difficult. It's not easy. It's not easy. Okay, So when day we looked at one parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares. It's kind of similar to the parable, not similar, but parable about the sheep and the goats. And we saw the field is the world, Jesus is the sower, he puts the good seed, the enemy comes and puts the tares, and suddenly they grow up. And when they grow up, they look alike. And somebody, I'm not mentioning names, somebody said, immediately after that said, Pastor, I actually know it is true, because I actually was once in the paddy field. And you look at them, you cannot differentiate between the wheat and the tear. They look exactly the same. So the angels, the servants of the Lord come and say, shall we pull them apart? He says, no, leave it alone. You may harm, the we too. Leave it till the end. When the harvest comes, we will separate. So we saw on Wednesday, they grow up together, 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 they look the same. Why? Why did Jesus say? They said, at the roots, together, they are intertwined. You pull a weed, even if you are able to distinguish a weed, you pull a weed, what happens? A wheat also may come out, and he what's what he say, the weeds and tares are mixed together. Our lives are intertwined. So God says, don't pull the weed out; you will harm the wheat too. So He says, let it go. Harvest time, when it's nearing harvest time, you will be able to differentiate between the wheat and the tear. How do we differentiate? When harvest time comes, the wheat, the kernels are all heavy. It's ready for harvest. It's heavy. And the heavier the fruit, the wheat kernels becomes, you will see the wheat are all bend down. The tares are very light. They are all standing up. So suddenly you see harvest time something is happening. What's happening? The wheat is all bend down and the tares are all Standing up. Do you understand? Jesus say, learn of me. I am meek and lowly. God says, the kingdom of God will be visibly demonstrated towards the end. God's people will become more and more meek, more and more humble, while the others will be stiff, unteachable, proud and arrogant. How is this easy then? You'll know which is which. It can be from the same womb. Elder sister, elder brother, and Moses, two stiff. One is called the makest of all men. So watch out for these things. Watch out for these things because Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. Okay? Today we are going to look at, in our pursuit of how do we follow, how do we understand We are looking at the smallest, one of the smallest, if not the smallest of parables. Usually he tells the parables and explains it for them. Okay, But here, it's a parable which is left unexplained. It's found in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. Another parable is spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like liven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all livened. I mean, this is the smallest parable, one line. The kingdom of God is like leaven. When a woman took, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. It's a very small parable, but very difficult parable. You look at it. Why can't you make life simple for us, Jesus? You know. He says, the kingdom of God is bigger than cracking IIT exam, he says. <laughs> Much more profitable. Okay. He says, it's not a joke, it's a, something very, very, a traditional interpretation is this. The woman is the church. The three measures of meal, flour, atta, whatever you want to call it, is the world, the leaven is the gospel. And then it spreads, it spreads, it spreads, and it is totally saturated. By the end, the whole world is saturated of influenced by the gospel. Yet here we are, 2,000 years later. And there is more opposition and persecution against Christianity and Christians than ever in human history. And the church is the most confused, most non-committal than ever in human history. So, traditional interpretation seems to be not working. Right, The problem is, when you just have something like this, the safest way to study scripture is not by using the internet, Is by using scripture. Unless you're using scripture in the internet. Okay. You see, he's speaking to a crowd who understands what he's talking about. Now we are reading. Who does even understand what it means? In the first sense, if I didn't use multiple words to explain to you, many people will think three measures of meal is three helpings of food, because meal means meal for us. But that's not what it means. Okay, it means flour, not the flour which you put in your hair, but okay, flour. Let's say atta. Understood? Okay. So scripture says three measures of meal. What did she do? She hid a little leaven in three measures of meal. So go back to scripture and look. Where's the first time you hear about three measures of meal? And what does it symbolize then throughout scripture? You hear it first when God I believe primarily Jesus before he appeared as man. Jesus with two angels visited the old man Abraham in his tent. Three of them came. Abraham looks and he realizes that these are no ordinary people. This is a divine visitation. And he rushes and says, please sit down. He makes them sit down. Let me give you something to refresh you, something to eat, something to drink. And he rushes to Sarah. And this is what he says. Genesis 18 verse 6 and 7. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, "Quickly, make ready three a fine meal. Need it and make cakes." For the first time you hear, he quickly rushed and said, "Need three measures of meal." Okay, you see the thing is that there are no accidents in the Bible because it's written by God. Whenever God gives specific information, it is for all time. Abraham could have just gone and told, Sarah, just make some roti. Just make some cakes. That's not what he says. When he says something and it is written, this becomes scripture. Because it has prophetic implications. Make three measures of meal. Take three measures of meal, knead it and make cakes. Okay. Then we know from there, You know, and he has milk and herbs and whatever and they all eat. This is the first time, first time outside the Garden of Eden, God and man is actually fellowshipping over a meal. First time. So the Jewish culture It is absolutely clear it is a symbol of man fellowshipping with God. That's what the kingdom of God is. Where God and man is back to fellowship again. So you will see in other places, Gideon using meal. Hannah using meal. All these people, when they are offering it to God, they bring what is called the Meal offering. Because it represents communion with God. And that communion with God is always untouched by leaven. Okay? When you have communion, we have bread into which no leaven or yeast is added. When you make chapatis, do you add yeast to it? No, it's unleavened. Okay? Because leaven is not a symbol of Good in the Bible, it's a symbol of sin in the Bible. Okay, once we get what in the Bible these things mean, then suddenly the parable, though it's one line, starts making sense. Second thing we have in that parable in Matthew 13:33 is there is a woman. And it's a wrongest time of ages to preach, it's not politically very correct. But, in the Bible, from the Old Testament to Revelation, the woman is often, or most often, used to describe something that is religiously wrong, not right. In Scripture, okay... (laughs) We were joking yesterday, not joking, I was telling them. Do you remember what's the official vehicle of the President of America's official vehicle called? It's called the Beast. So I said, do you remember how it was all planned out by man and forces that if Hillary Clinton had won, she would have been the first woman President of United, and when she goes in, it would have been the woman riding the Beast. That's exactly what they were planning. God said, "Not time yet. Not time yet. These are not jokes, children. Okay, the serious things. So when the Bible uses the term "woman," okay, there is the woman who is preparing for her master, the church, and then there is other woman which is the apostate church. So often the term, when it is used in terms of religion, deception, apostasy, everything, it is. Not a politically correct word to say, but this woman does it deliberately. The gospel is not hidden. It is always public. Okay? She does a deliberate act. Here are these three measures of meal and she hides leaven into it. It's done deliberately. Okay? Keep that in mind. You see, one thing you and I need to realize, that's absolutely primary about our salvation, the very purpose of our salvation. We saw that on Wednesday, we saw that on many other occasions. In John chapter 4, God says to the Samaritan woman, the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That's the purpose of salvation. What is God looking for? He's looking for true worshippers. Remember, okay. when Esther made it very simple for the children, when you and I talk in the ambit of the church as God's children, family, we call it fellowship. When we talk to God and God talks to it, we call it worship. God is looking for people with whom he can talk. And we can talk to him. It will be called worship. Okay? But God says for that, he's looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. That's the purpose of salvation. Don't forget the purpose of salvation is not to have a big house and a good job and three cars and love. He says, no, that's not the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is that we might worship God. So when Israel is to come out of Egypt, Israel is to come out of Egypt. What God tells Moses to tell the Pharaoh is this. The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, Let my people go. That they may worship me. Let them go. They may worship me. He will use the other term also. Let them serve me. Let them worship me. Let them serve me. He doesn't want us serving him without worshipping him. And if you worship him, you should also serve him. So God says, let them go. (laughs) Everything the Pharaoh suggested to Moses was to compromise that worship. We'll get that to that later. Okay? Pharaoh will tell many things. Moses will come and say, let my people go. The Lord says, let my people go that they may worship. Let them make a three-day journey into the wilderness. Let them go. No problem. You want to worship? Here is my suggestion. Here is my suggestion. Suggestion after suggestion. And what the Pharaoh was trying to do was add a little leaven into the worship. A little leaven is enough. All those who bake, they know you take so much flour, you don't take so much yeast. Little. Little is enough. Very
1: little.
0: Yeah. Everything the enemy does is to sneak in a little leaven into the three measures of meal so that our worship and our communion is corrupted. Okay? So Jesus warns always not about the meal but about the leaven. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6, Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the Leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. First we look at Pharisees. He says, be very careful about the Leaven of the Pharisees. So here, what do you think? The Pharisees were walking around with yeast? He says, no, beware of their doctrine, he said. He said, beware of them. Why? The Pharisees were the legalists of their time. They were absolute legalists. Now don't confuse legalism with holiness because people confuse like if you preach holiness they will say you are a legalist. Don't confuse legalism with holiness. Legalism is more like a set of rules that touch you just outside without ever touching your inside. The only thing they want is outside conformity. Legalists only want outside conformity. They are not bothered about how you are inside. Okay? We are all, in so many ways, we get so, so caught up in this legalistic thing, meaning, uh, don't let these people say anything, okay? Just pretend. Okay? Only the outside matters. The inside doesn't matter. Okay? Inside... They could be incredibly cold, incredibly unkind, incredibly unloving people who will kill and oppose anybody who opposes their doctrine, including Jesus. Okay? Don't confuse between legalism and holiness. We need convictions. Okay, we need convictions. Convictions are like the bones in your body. But outside, you see, not me, but some others, you will have a lot of flesh which is soft and nice. You're all bony. You know, what is that? It's a shrimp. You know the shrimp, the difference? The shrimp, the bones are outside, the flesh is inside. Okay, Pharisees are shrimps. All their convictions are outside. Inside, they're very soft to any conviction. Kuch bhi chalega andar. They will compromise with anything inside, but outside, they are the most convicted people. Okay, that's what God is talking about. God said, "No, your conviction should be inside, but outside, be kind, be merciful." Me, gentle, be firm, but what you believe in. Don't compromise on that if you know. So don't be a lobster. Pharisees, were lobsters. I know you. many people like lobsters. But let it stay on your plate or keep it in the fridge. Don't be one. Okay, so understand what the leaving of the Pharisees is. It is a set of rules that never touches you inside. Never touches you inside. See, truth is inside. Truth goes in. Once truth goes in, it starts touching everything. Outside also will change. It's not that the outside shouldn't change. The outside should change. But the outside has changed because inside has changed. If only the outside change and the inside doesn't change, It's right to the boys, to the men who came. I was teaching, I was sharing with them a few concepts which are scary to hear. How God looks at and how. Wednesday I told you how God did not curse Adam and Eve. But He cursed Cain. Okay? Because God doesn't look at sin the way we look at sin. Adam and Eve, sadly they were the first parents so DNA wise they affected all of us. But basically they only harmed themselves by their sin. Cain harmed his brother. Okay, so I was saying that if Peter drinks, he harms himself. Hepzibah gossips, she harms a lot of people. We will gossip. Everybody gossips. Oh, Peter is drinking. Let us pray for him. Let us fast for him. God says, honey, that's not the way I look at sin. I look at sin completely different tangent altogether. Let me tell you something else, which may be scary. Both this age, you have to tell it to men and women. Okay? You may lose your chastity, your virginity, by molestation, by rape, or weakness of a moment. You could lose your modesty. By losing your chastity, you harmed only yourself. By losing your modesty, you harm a lot of people. It's not the same. It's not the same. You know what? You know the difference between modesty and chastity? You don't know. Understood? Young girls, older ladies, all of you. Anybody can lose by a weak moment, molestation, rape, lost. You can't do anything about it. But somebody who chooses to reveal his or her body and walk around has already lost their modesty. And they encourage others to lose their chastity and modesty. God says, you will be judged differently in my kingdom. Have mercy, Lord. Understand, God doesn't look at stuff the way we look at stuff. He looks at all these things differently. That's why we say, Lord, justice. He said, wait, not time. They said, day set for that. Because when God starts his justice process, he starts from an entire line. Where did it begin? Okay. Where did it begin? And he will do something which the FBI, CBI, nobody can do because he knows the root till the branch. Everything will be laid out. So understand. Don't Therefore, confuse legalism and holiness. Holiness is imperative because our Father, our God is holy. But it begins from within. When it begins from within, it will ultimately touch every facet of our personality. Everything. Everything it will touch. So, look at life differently. Okay? We have liberty. But that liberty is to serve God. It is not to serve anybody else. Liberty is to serve God. God has set us free to worship Him, to serve Him, not to worship ourselves and to serve ourselves. Because what has happened is now, in the final days, church, we have elevated what is called free will and made it into an idol. Unless you surrender your free will to God, you will never go anywhere with God. Free will is used to choose to obey the will of God. That's surrender. And that's where we struggle with. Struggle with. And unless we surrender, salvation itself, the first step is surrender. The next thing he said, beware of the leaving of the Sadducees. The Sadducees are not people who are sad. Okay. Ultimately, they will be sad when they stand before God. They are the opposite of the Pharisee. I'm trying to put in across these two sections of that day in our terms what These are the legalists of today. These are the liberals of that day. liberals, no rules. and Jesus was very good and Paul was also very good whenever there was a confrontation, he got these two people to fight. The Pharisees added to the word of God. The Sadducees subtracted. So they were both good in maths. The Pharisees added. Sadducees took away. And God said in his Bible, final words in the book of Revelation, don't add, don't subtract to my word. Don't add. You add, judgment will be added. You subtract, Judgment won't be subtracted. <laughs> That's why you got it wrong. Okay. This is the leaven of liberalism, sweeping the church. And Sadducees today will put in brackets, God understands. As if it took 2,000 years for God to understand, that earlier he didn't understand Okay. They take away the fundamentals of even salvation, if you look today. Even the fundamentals of salvation has been compromised, meaning repentance is never preached. That's a fundamental of salvation. This is what John the Baptist preached. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. Jesus, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Peter, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Paul, repent. They take and repent out. And yet people claim they are saved. Why? Leaven has been added. They're sitting under the assumption of a false salvation. Because very smartly the devil hid a little leaven. Everything has been compromised. Everything has been compromised. Everything. That's what they do. Fundamentals of salvation. No, there are certain areas we are not very sure about fundamentals, you cannot play with it. They were the liberals of that day. Okay? Beware and watch for those who compromise on the fundamentals of salvation, of faith. If you take away the fundamentals, we do not have a savior, nor do we have salvation left. That is what is sweeping the whole world. The crowds that gather do not matter. Why? Because leaven has been added to the meal. Your confession has no meaning. Your baptism has no meaning. Your attendance has no meaning. Everything has no meaning because I wish you people read news. Easy to explain if you read news. So there's an investigation for one year going against the Trump presidency in US called Did he Collude, did his campaign team collude with the Russians? And a special counsel has been appointed, it's been going on for one year investigating. Okay? Investigating is all connected with some intelligence they have. There was communication between the Trump
1: campaign
0: and the Russians. Okay? Then last week the FISA uh, memo, FISA and all, you wouldn't even know. It's Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, okay? It's, it's a, it's a law where you have a secret courts in America. If the FBI, CIA, any organization has to listen to your, your phone conversation, they have to get a uh, warrant from this particular court. And if the court has to give you permission, you have to prove to the court that this man is a foreign agent, American citizen, colluding with a foreign agent, Okay, foreign agent to act against the interests of America, then only they will give you the warrant. So suddenly it was through all this investigation it was re- discovered there was a salacious dossier. Okay, these are all, don't worry, okay, some, read news, you'll understand. By one MIX agent who paid Russians to get this information which was openly discredited. This dossier without giving the details who paid for it, which is Hillary Clinton's DNC campaign paid for it. All that, without showing all that, are shown to the judge and he signed the warrant. That is felony. Signed by whom? The FBI director who came out. The second one who is in charge. The third one who was earlier into the top guys had signed five times. So... If, what I'm saying is, if the first warrant itself was illegal, then everything else is illegal, right? So the Mueller appointment itself is illegal. The whole one year, America has won a standstill on a false investigation because the first warrant was illegal. Do you see? If your foundation is wrong, everything that you have built on it is wrong. You didn't know Christ. You are not saved. You just switched religion. Just switched religion. That's the danger. That's what I keep going. In North India, I'm telling you, Beware. Beware. Knowing Christ will bring an incredible, radical change in your life because you've encountered life itself. And after that, you are never comfortable with your old life. You're constantly in battle with your old life because you have encountered real life. This is not a change of religion. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. You and I were dead in our trespasses. Doesn't matter which background we came from. When we encountered Jesus and responded to the gospel according to what the word of God has written, then we were given new life. Otherwise we are being prepared for a terrible day. That is why scripture says very carefully, beware of the living of the Pharisees. Because outwardly you are conforming to all the, oh, the rules of the church and rules which are not there in the church and you feel very sad. How are you saved? Uh, I was baptized. I've always gone to church all my life. I've always confessed. God said, that is not eternal life. Eternal life is that you know God. That's eternal life. Do you know God? What do you mean by that? Now if I ask you this question, do you know Peter? Do you know Peter or no? Yeah, you know. Do I have to explain? Do I have to explain? Do you know God? Sir Paul says, I know. <laughs> no Whom I have believed. Be careful. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. Legalists and the Liberals are both people who do not know who Christ is. And why he died. We sang the song Why He Died. What kind of a God is this who would allow his son to be so terribly punished and to be crucified? How does he look at sin? How does he look at holiness? Is an end. Dire shift in the way you look at life. Because you realize, this is God. This is the price he puts on my soul. Okay. Are you getting the picture? The woman hid that leaven. Then we come to the third leaven. That's in Mark chapter 8 verse 15. Then he charged them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The third leaven also. All these leavens, some some meal you get to buy in churches. All three leavens are there. Pharisee is also there, Sadducee is also there, Herod is also there. Herod was all about a good life in the flesh. Gospel is very clear, Jesus says in one John chapter two Don't love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Period. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay. Are you getting it? The doctrine of Herod gives you both the world, the best of the world when you live and the kingdom of God when you die. Who doesn't like that gospel? That's the gospel we are all looking for, right? Yet the kingdom of God and the world are mutually exclusive. Jesus said it very, very clearly. In John chapter 17, this is what he said. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am, not of the world. I do not pray that it should take them out of the world. But that it should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We are not of the world. We are separated, sanctified, and then sent into the world. But we are not of the world. We are not of the world. The Herodian doctrine says, be like the world, so that you can save the people of the world. It doesn't happen. You become more like the world. Christianity has been Permeated completely with the leaven of Herod. You have the prosperity gospel, you have the entertainment gospel, you have the hyper grace gospel. Just be happy. It's a pos- all positive message. Don't step on anybody's toes. It makes a mockery of the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul says we preach. Christ crucified and Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. It offers you the world when you live, and heaven when you It doesn't mean Herodians don't like the word. Of course they like the word. What do you talk about? Haven't you seen our diaries? We bring it regularly. We can tell you all the messages I have written. But we love the word. And the original Herod, there were many Herods. The original Herod we know in the Bible, about whom we know. He loved listening to John the Baptist. Wow! Anybody love listening to John the Baptist? Jesus, apostles, I can understand. John the Baptist? Who wants to listen to him? He has only one line message. What is that? Morning till evening, repent for the kingdom of God. You Pharisees, you wipers. (laughs) Scripture says he loved listening to John the And in the evening, he liked drinking and watching half-naked Salome dance. Did you see the doctrine of Herod? Doctrine of Herod. When I live on the world, I want all this world has to offer. When I die, I want to go to heaven. Self-explanatory, right? God has blessed you naturally. Let not your possessions have you. The true child of God recognizes what true riches is. Where moth or rust or the income tax cannot get in. The Child of God realizes in Romans 8 verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. It's death. It's absolutely. If you love the world, you are dead. Verse 13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You will die. If only the RSS and all the other outfits, Badrangdal and all, were to hear this message, all they have to do is leave the church alone. It will just implode. Honestly, persecution makes the church, the real church, strong. The rest of the church, leave them alone. Leaven has already been added. They don't need any persecution. Because persecution does the wrong to them. They become more like them. The priests start going and giving aarti to the idol. They call all the other gurus to come and sit with them on the podium. Because leaven has been added. You know, persecution doesn't make anything, any change in them. They become more like them. You see it happening, all over you happening. You see the messages coming in WhatsApp. Every group is compromised. Every group is compromised. Because persecution doesn't do anything to them. They only become more like, you come in, we have no problem with you. The persecuted church, who knows the word, has been born by the word, is rooted in the word, gets stronger and stronger and gets attacked. So if you leave them alone, church will implode. Okay, so legalism, liberalism, and materialism. Watch out. And Jesus uses a one-line parable to tell us what the kingdom of God is. In Matthew thirteen thirty-three. that's what it says. The woman took and hid it in three measures of meal. Till it was all, the whole thing was living. That's why the instruction given by Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, what did he say? When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. That is why we are very careful about even who we read. You're very careful, as Pastor We are very careful about who we read. We don't read everybody. We know the compromises. We leave them alone. We look back in history to see all the ones who have stood there uncompromising and we try to learn from them. Who will we follow? Who will be followed? That's the choice you have to make. Who will we follow? Because why? Plenty of priests are there. Even in David's time, I'll give you one statistics. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of thirty years and above, and the number of individual males was how many? Thirty-eight thousand. But everybody carried the ark? No. So there's a spiritual connotation. Follow those who carry the ark of the testimony. Why? Because we have forgotten the purpose of salvation. What is salvation about? What is it for? In First Peter chapter two, Scripture says, "You are a chosen generation." You are a royal priesthood who will carry the testimony of God in your lives. A holy nation. so on. we get all goose pimples when we read it. These are spiritual truths which need to be lived out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that's what we are. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Today is Sunday. Today, half the churches in America will be empty. Why? It is Super Bowl Sunday. The biggest sports occasion in America. Half the churches, nobody will be there. Why? I don't know how many people play in Super Bowl. I only know cricket. In cricket, 22 people (laughs) play over one ball. And one billion people, bunk work. Christians are part of it. All those who didn't go to church last Sunday, ask yourself why you didn't go. Then ask yourself, am I really saved? Unless it was an emergency. We are a holy nation. There are many nations in the world, but the church is not one of them. The church is different. What is the church? It's a holy nation. The devil is also trying to make one nation of all people God is also trying to make one nation of his people. But that nation will be a holy nation. And that holy nation, how does this that nation live in the world? Peter himself explained. This is how you live in the world. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the Herodian doctrine. Abstain. Fight it constantly. Don't give in. If all get up and fight it again, because remember who you are. Don't forget who you are. We are called to live as aliens and strangers and pilgrims in this world. see, the problem is, like I've seen this over and over, the minute you compromise in your life and you justify your compromise by saying it is just to bring my unbelieving relatives and neighbors to the Lord, they are not going to believe because they already see your compromise. And if they believe, you will make them as weak as you. kingdom of God was never advanced or won by compromises. It was always advanced by those who were absolutely sold out for God. Not that it happened in one day, but they were sold out for God. So watch out. Watch out. Because what did God say to Israel? Exodus 5.3 So they said, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go to the three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence. So, what did they say? Please let us go. We want to go worship the Lord, but let us make a three days. See, the three keeps on coming. Three measures of meal. So these are all symbolic numbers in the Bible, okay? Symbolic numbers in the Bible. Three days journey. Why we need to go and?" Worship him. We need to, Pharaoh said, what do you want? Worship. Pharaoh said, go sacrifice to God in the land. Hmm? Why do you have to go three days journey? Who taught you about this separation business? You don't have to be separated. You can worship among us. You can? Worship among us. You can just be like us. No problem. Come on, man. Assimilate with the vocal. So what do you want? Get that lamp into the church. Put the... Uh, That's what churches do. What churches do? Assimilate. Who told you you are a holy nation, a separated people?
1: No, you just assimilate.
0: What about the priest who gave communion dressed as a Brahmin with that Thread, he came dressed to say that we are we being part of the culture and call the people to come to give take communion. I'm giving you examples. These are extreme examples but at one level we will see we have listened to the advice of the Pharaoh. You don't have to separate. You don't have to go out. Worship among us. You want a sacrifice? Worship among us. No problem. Who told you? Not the God of the Hebrews, the Pharaoh of Egypt. The spokesman for the devil said, you don't have to change your worship. Understand it's all focused at our worship. Because God is seeking a set of people. Who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And Moses put his foot down and says no way. And plague started. Then Pharaoh said please, 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 please. please, please. Go, 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 go. But small suggestion. Verse 28. Pharaoh said I will let you go. That you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only this three day journey and all is not enough. Not needed. One day. Yes, I understand. You need to be separated. But don't need to be so radical, brother. Why are you so radical going for Wednesday meeting, Tuesday meeting, Saturday meeting, every meeting there? Don't be so radical. pagal <laughs> <laughs> hai. Morning tuition, afternoon tuition, evening tuition, Saturday tuition, Sunday tuition, hai. that's right. That's okay. Because there is prosperity in this world. But you become radical for Christ. Immediately people pour cold water. What do they say? Yeah, 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 you can sacrifice. A little in the wilderness. but Don't go too far. Who told this? Not the God of the Hebrews. Moses, I wish we had, all pastors were like Moses, you know, put his foot down. He said, no way. Pharaoh said, okay, I'm not going to let you go. More plagues. Finally, Pharaoh said, okay, 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 go. But he said, small, even added." Moses and Aaron came and Pharaoh said to him, thus says the Lord God of Hebrew, how long will you refuse to humble yourself, let my people go that they may serve me? And the next verse, no. chapter 10, verse 11. Not so now go. You who are men and serve the Lord, for that is what you decide, and they were driven out from the Pharisees. So you men alone go. Men alone go. Okay, thank God this is balanced. But if you go to most churches when we go out to minister, it is women alone. Men don't even come. What does the devil say? What is the devil saying? House is divided. When we tell you, no, when we tell you painfully experienced, many of us, and we tell you now the young people, do not be unequally married to an unbeliever, we say what's wrong with her. That's not the point. Your worship will be compromised. Worship will be automatically compromised. You need to realize our babies doesn't matter how wonderful and beautiful they look. They look beautiful, they are wonderful, but they are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So when they have two parents, of which one parent is of Egypt and one is a Hebrew, one is a believer, unbeliever, automatically they will go with the Egypt one, because that's how they are conceived. For the fallen nature. Automatically. They were not born. They have to be born again, but they are born in the flesh. The fallen nature. Automatically they will go with the other one. And all your romantic notions of the initial these things will all die and you will see all your life it is a struggle because you didn't realize you were saved to worship, not to marry. I heard a second priority. You were saved for a purpose that you would worship God and serve Him. Then the price becomes very difficult to pay later. The only way you will be able to pay is put your foot down and let them go. But who said this first? Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the mouthpiece of the devil. And he is saying, you want to worship? Go. Three days also go. I have no problem. Finally agreed to three days. You see the leave-in compromise. You want to go three days? Go three days. You want to sacrifice? Sacrifice. One thing. You do one thing. Men go. Men go. Why? It's part. smart. If men go three days, after three days they will come back because wife and children are here. You'll we'll come back to the world. We'll come back to the world. You'll we'll come back. Because you cannot, because family is there. He said go. So God says, Don't get into that trap. Don't get into the trap. He put his foot down and he said, No way. We will go. And our wives will go, our children will go. Pharaoh said, No way, you go. Get out of here. More plagues. Finally, Pharaoh said, okay, 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 come, 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 come. Called again. This time, all thana livendala. Very subtle. You have to see how subtly he had the liven. Okay? Compromise. Pharaoh called Moses and said, go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. Take a wife, take a children, everybody. Leave your money behind. Leave your money behind. The devil knows worship. He understands worship because he was a worship leader. He knows what worship is. He knows in the human, if you haven't served God with your money, you haven't served him at all. It's just mouth. You haven't worshipped him. You haven't served him. You really have not known him. Because he knows mammon is a spirit. Jesus said, you cannot worship God and mammon. You cannot serve God and Mammon, say so, it's not a problem. Leave it behind. Go, 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 all of you. Three day journey, go. Take your wife, take your even your smallest toddler also you take. No problem. Take them all and go. Moses put his foot down and said, no way, Hosea, we're not going. When we go, we go, our families go, the little ones go, all that we have, go. Why? We are going to worship God. If I haven't worshipped God with all I have and everything that I have, I haven't worshipped God. We are not moving from this land until we take everything with us and put it on the altar. Then we know we have worshipped God. Understand how scripture explains what this is all about. That's why God is talking about we, when we study the men of the past, the women of the past. We don't look at those who live in 20 million dollar houses and fly in jets and come with little cropped hairs and talk about prosperity. We look about women and men who sacrificed everything, gave up, said bye to their families for the gospel and said we may never come back. And they never came back, went to places which man did not know, lived among them preached the gospel, died among them. We looked them into readings and we learned. These are priests who carried the ark in every age, every generation. Let us learn from them.
1: Let us learn from them.
0: Not the others. For Christ. I said for Christ, not for the church. There are many, many missionaries who went out for their organization, for their churches, who did not go for Christ. Christ. That's what Jesus said. A Pharisee will go across the sea to make one convert and make him double as hardened as him. Don't worry. Zealots are there in every religion. You know, we are talking about Christ. Talking about Christ. Understand. This is what God is talking about verse 10 and verse 28, Pharaoh will get so mad. Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. Oh, the devil finds a man, a woman, a boy, a girl who stands like this and says, all I have belongs to the God. They want to finish those people off. That's why you read in the Bible. The plots against Daniel to kill him. The plots against Mordecai to kill him. Why? Has he done any harm? No. What is the problem with these guys? They will only worship God and they worship God with everything. They are a threat to our existence. Are you a threat to God? To the existence existence of this world? Are you? Say pray. Honestly pray. Lord, make me a threat. Are we getting it? That's why this communion table. This table is where we come and judge ourselves. How much of myself have I given over to the Lord? How much of me actually belongs to God and how much of me is mine? That's why God says, I understand. He says, it's a process. It doesn't have to take too long. But he says, once you get doctrine, when you in your fellowship, you will realize whether you are taking or whether you are giving. There are two kinds of people in the world. No? Primarily, those who take first, give little or give nothing. Or those who give much, take little. Jesus was a giver. He took also, because he had to live. God says in fellowship you will really, really know. Fellowship you will really, that's why we run away from fellowship, because we know fellowship, real fellowship, demands giving. We like titles we hear in the world. President Trump and the first lady is coming. all over the U.S., we love it. The pastor and the first lady is coming. That's the term they use. My wife is not the first lady. She's the last lady. After she has served and seen, everybody's need is met, then she lives. She's not the first lady. She's the last lady. We don't lie on our beds thinking about our needs. We think lying on beds. How do these children and all these people have to be taken care of? We are not first man and first lady. That's what Jesus said. Remember, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are opposite, absolutely opposite. There the kings love you to serve them, but the kingdom of God, God serves us. Know who your father is. Know who your father is. He liked titles. He loved this position. Pharisees all loved it. That's why they liked wearing all those dresses. And when a party came, they quietly went and sat in the front.
1: <laughs> Let me
0: ask you this question: At the wedding of the Cana, where was Jesus? He was outside with the servants. He was sitting at the head of the table. Can they go and tell him there is no wine? He's outside. And the servants are there, and he tells his servants fill it. Even his first step in the public ministry, he's a servant. So he can take the head of the table as the king of this universe. Understand how the kingdom works and get it so that you understand who are the Herodians, who are the Pharisees, who are the Sadducees, so that you understand, oh Lord, don't let me get fooled in these last days. Don't let me fool. God says follow the, the priests who carry the ark. Follow the priests. We're not getting into the rest of the text. Follow the priests. These priests took the ark. Just easy earlier, Moses had his stick, lifted the stick. Things happened, people just laughed. Now there's an entire change. The ark has come. The priest carrying the ark. And they are asked to go in the front. And scripture says, God picked a time when the Jordan is flooded. And God says, keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on the priest. Keep a little distance, otherwise you'll get too familiar with God, and then you will start being irreverent, and then you will have problems in your life. Keep a distance, but watch them. And he told the priest, take the ark and go stand in the flood. Stand in the flood. Can we stand in the flood? Stood in the flood. You can't even fall. You can't even swim. Because your hands are holding up the testimony of the living God and they're standing over there. And scripture says, when they stepped into the water, the water started stopping. The flood stopped. and Then they had to move to the middle and stand there in the middle holding up the testimony of the living God until every man had crossed over. And in every generation you will see men and women have stood there. You see, I look at... <sighs> Revizak, Zakpunan, 80s, and his, Reynard Bonke, his final crusade in Nigeria, 79. Still I have heard them from 30 years back, and I'm hearing them 30 years later. They haven't changed. Standing there, standing firm, and holding it so that people can cross over. They didn't change the doctrine with the times. They didn't change the doctrine according to the culture and the people and the pressure. They stood there right in the middle, uncompromising, allowing people to cross over. That's what we are called. Everyone is called to stand there. Even if you are young, stand there. Some of the convictions you need to be absolutely personal. You don't have to push it on anybody, but you need to have convictions. Don't be a lobster. You need to have convictions which are deep within, but certain convictions are your own. You don't have to push it on anybody. Daniel had a conviction. It was his own. All the others were sons of Judah, but he didn't interfere in anybody. He said, I have purpose in my heart not to defile myself. And he took a stand. Because he took a stand, three others also took a stand. Four people took a stand. The entire book of Daniel records only four names. From the sons of Judah he came, because four people took a stand. Which three took a stand because one took a stand. When you young kids, because you know so much, one day reach heaven and you see all your friends in hell, they will ask you, Anjali, Deepika, Hepsiba, you knew the real God, and why did you let us come here? Why, why did you could even just take a stand? Why didn't you even let us know? Why didn't you? Why did he let us come here? You think it's not to be recognized? Father Abraham! Cry from hell. Yes, son. Didn't say, you scoundrel. Yes, yeah. Your heritage is also Christian, Jewish, but you are not in heaven, you are in hell. Because you swallowed, swallowed Herodian when you were living. Please send Lazarus down. Oh, you know him, recognized him by name. When he was outside, did you ever ask what his name was? Did you ask him, hey Lazarus, how are you doing? Did you eat anything today? Now you remember his name. And you ask him, can you send him over with a little water? There is no anonymity in eternity. Everybody knows everybody. Your senses will be so magnified, you will feel and know everything. Because the restrictions of flesh is removed. Whether it is the joys that is on his. Right hand forevermore or the horrors of hell on the other side. You will experience it to the maximum because there is no restrictions of the flesh. Where well, their worm never dies. Never dies. That is why he came. That is why he died. That is the gospel alone that will save. That's where God says we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. So God says, remember, are you moving into the end of the end of times, it's going to be more and more difficult because the three levels it has permeated. Legalists are there, Sadducees are there, and Herodians are there. It's risen. And he says, I'm looking for people who will stand up there and say, Lord, help me not to see with my carnal eyes. Let me able to see the truth in your word and stand by it and by it alone, and it doesn't matter whom I lose in the process. If they are lost, they should be only because they re- refuse the word, not because of anything else. God did not come to save us in our sins; He came us to save us from our sins. That's why God said, "Get out of Egypt." Get out of Egypt. Make a three-day journey. Two days are over. Two days are over. The third day is here. At the end of the third day, even after a thousand years of Jesus' reign, when Satan is released for a short time, Scripture says he will gather all the remaining population of the world because the leaven has permeated everybody to come against Jesus and that city of God which he loves, and that is when God will destroy everything and judgment begins. Understand what the number three means. If we don't receive the truth. And allow the truth to permit into our innermost being and allow it to change us. Even if you and I live under the visible reign of Jesus Christ, we will not change. Because what changes us is truth. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. That's why he asked God, Lord, grant me repentance. Constant work out your salvation with fear and with trembling so that our eyes are open to the kingdom of God. Because if we seek, we will find, he said, the secrets of the kingdom is given to us who seek them. More than anything else you can learn on earth is to learn how the kingdom works. This morning as we come to the elements of the communion, even we ourselves examined without the help of the Holy Spirit, we will miss out the details in our life. That's why we seek His Spirit. For God said, when my Spirit comes, He will convict the world, the world in us, of sin, and point to the righteousness that is in Christ. Father, this morning we come to you. We come to you as in your eyes we have sinned against you. We have come short of all that your holiness demands from us. But we come to you as children, to our Father, knowing as we repent and plead, you are merciful, that you will forgive us. Take us to this newness of life that is available in Christ Jesus. So today I pray, Father, everyone who partakes of the bread and the wine will receive strength from above, knowing they are forgiven, knowing power is being released into their lives, to their mortal bodies, to continue to seek you, to find you, to worship you, and to serve you. That's what our life is all about, oh Lord. That's what you are seeking, Father. May it be a blessing for everyone who partakes, oh Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen.
0: parables of jesus christ all connected with the kingdom of god he talks the parable of the sober different kinds of heart the different kinds of response to the word of god he talks about the heart of the father to the son who's gone away has gone deep into sin living in the pig pen but the father's holiness prevents him from going to the son who knew and went but his love will embrace him when he comes back all the parables as they progress will talk about the nature of the kingdom and to the final one when he talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats in the gospel according to Matthew scripture records with that his teaching ends and the final words in his final parable is and then the sheep went into eternal life and the goats to eternal perdition. Today we looked at a simple, very simple, but yet pertinent parable. If you look at the same parable in the gospel according to Luke, I'll just take on the five, six minutes as I wind up. Same parable is given in two verses in Luke 13. Then one said to him, Lord, no, 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 Luke 13, verse 20 and 21, 20, 21. And again he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in the three, three measures of meal till it was all leavened." So you have it in Luke 2, but now you would see the difference, the context in which this parable is put there by the Holy Spirit. little later, a disciple asked him a question. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? He got what what it meant. He understood the parable. He said, if this is true, if this is what the living does to the flower, to the kingdom of God, then very few are going to be saved. He didn't answer that. He didn't give any number. Because we like numbers. He didn't give any numbers. He said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter or will not be able to. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. He will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Can't say I'm from the camp of Pharisees. I'm the camp of Sadducees. Where are you from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. So they were in church. We just ate and drank in his presence just now, five minutes back. Yes, we ate and drank. We were there for every fellowship meal. We ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. We were there for every meeting. We heard. He will say. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity." There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. You see all those who walked by faith and those who picked up this religion, fig leaf religion called Christianity, who had bones outside and flesh inside. God says, be very careful. Look at the nature of the kingdom by looking at the Price paid for entry. Always remember. Everybody who missed all the matches for Super Bowl will pay through their nose to get into the finals. He says, do you understand the value of the kingdom by the price that was paid for our entry? It was the life, blood of his own son.
1: That's why the rhetorical
0: question. Indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be lost. You know what Paul will say? First Corinthians chapter 5. Your glorifying is not good. Do you not know a little Leaven? Leaven's the whole lump. Therefore, purge out the old Leaven, that you may be a new lump. Since you truly are unleaven, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven. What was they told the Pharaoh? You see the application of the New Covenant? Let us make a three-day journey to the wilderness to have a feast unto God. God says, yes, I want you also to celebrate a feast in my name, but with no leaven in your life. Purge out the leaven. Not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We just took a symbol of that unleavened trim. What does that bread signify? The unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. God says, that is. That's what I said in the beginning, not beginning, towards the end. The three measures of meal. Unless we seek this and put this first, Anyone can fall away. It doesn't matter how long you have walked, how long you have sought, you can fall away if you don't keep it in the front. Because at the end, like I said, after a thousand years of Jesus' perfect reign on earth, the Bible shows us the last picture. Now when thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea, uncountable humanity, who lived a wonderful life under Jesus' reign, they turned against him. And they went upon the bread and the earth, surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from the God of heaven and devoured them. That is when the three meal is over. The third day is over. Fire will come, and he says it will destroy everybody who has bones outside and flesh inside. That is why when the gospel begins with John the Baptist, he says, everybody has two choices. Either you can be baptized with fire at the end and be destroyed, or Luke chapter 3, I indeed baptize you water, but the one mightier than is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and Fire, that's what you ask each day, Lord. I know who I am. Consume me by your fire each day, Lord. That nothing of my flesh remains each day. Flesh will wake up, ask for fire. Not just the Holy Spirit. Fire to consume. Otherwise, God says, one day fire will consume all flesh. It's all there in Scripture. All there in Scripture. From the beginning, this is how people walked. From Adam onwards, that's how people walked. You know how history records in the new covenant about the old saints, this is how it records. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed them as strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things, declare plainly they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return. It's something which Pastor I always say. you see, If you want to go back, we can always go back. We will get a job tomorrow. We were not dropouts. We were not dropouts. But we always say we will never go back. We left the world. Now we are talking in terms of ministry. But every one of you left the world. If your salvation was real and you understand. You have opportunities to go back. But you have to make up your mind. You are not going back to the world from which you were saved. Now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city. For it's interesting yesterday, a pastor from North India calls me and asks me in Hindi, "Iska matlab kya hai?" What does it mean? It means a set of people on earth who live their lives like pilgrims. Life is simple, faces towards God. They go to the world to do their work, but to be a witness for the living Christ, God says the world will mock you, but I am not ashamed to say, that's my people. I'm not ashamed of them. Why? For he has prepared a city for them. He's prepared. There's a city being prepared for his people. But there is a nature of the city, with that I will close. What is the nature of that city? Revelation 21, they shall by no means enter it. Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That city is holy. That city is completely consumed by God's presence and holiness, and he's preparing a people here for that city. So don't understand. Underestimate the purpose of salvation salvation on earth is a preparation of a set of people for that city, and God is very clear inside out, I will clean you out. I will clean you out and put that as the focus of your life. The second month, first Sunday, as we have started this journey on the fourth day, come back and say, Lord. Let me not forget your purpose in my life. Young or old, let me not forget. Change me from within. First, make me meek. So that I can receive your word. Make me meek. So that I can receive your word. No? Receive your word. One thing I like about that old man, Eli. Remember that old man, Eli? He was a blind priest. Right? And Samuel came back after hearing from God. He looked at him and said, Hey, Sort of fellow, come here, you heard from God, right? Tell me everything. Don't keep it from me, whether it is bad or good, tell me everything. The old man was willing to receive the word of God from a five- or six-year-old boy. He was that you have to accept. That's the first thing you have to say, Lord, help me, help me. As a final beatitude, blessed are those who are not offended by the word. If you are angry today by any part of the word, go back, look in the mirror and ask, why am I so angry? It hit a bone that was inside. It hit something. That's why I'm so angry. preacher I heard this morning, like I said, I don't even know his name. He said, three kinds of people, either they are sad, glad or mad. (laughs) Ask yourself, what are you? Sad over your sin, mad over the word or glad that God spoke to you? Okay. Shall we start? I love you. Okay. I love you. (laughs) But I will never subtract from the word. I'll give it to you as it is. Father, this morning we just come to you as sheep to their shepherd, as children to their father, as subjects to their king, and as a holy nation to a holy God. We come to you, Father. And I pray, Father, speak to us continuously through this week. We are weak, but you are strong. And help us not to grow in our weakness, but to come in our weakness to you that you may fill us with your strength. To obey you, to walk with you. And I pray you will give this young one, especially Lord, the strength to take a stand over little things now. So that one day they will be able to take a stand when big things come. Little, little things, oh Lord. So much pressure over their lives in schools, colleges, offices to compromise. But gently, lovingly, yet firmly, like Daniel, give them the strength to stand. For your word says when the day of evil comes, stand. Pray Lord, give us all the strength to stand. And after everything is over, still be found standing. For there is a kingdom that is coming. A kingdom that will be manifested before our own eyes one day soon. We need to stand in that kingdom without shame, in joy. I pray you prepare us. And all those who hear over the net, prepare us. That we are people who are prepared for a city that is being prepared for us. So that that day, we'll have rest. From every sorrow, every tear, every pain, every trouble, every trial, it will be all over. But now, help us to be constantly watching and in prayer. See, people go into a new month, pray your presence will be real. And you would go before us, And we would keep your eyes on you, Christ Jesus. And the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and who are around us. Keep our eyes on them. Yet we walk behind reverently. Not getting familiar with God or the things of God. Not taking anything granted, even today for granted. We are alive today because of your mercy. Whether we will be alive tomorrow, only you know. So let us not take today for granted, Lord. There will be a quickening in every heart, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. We just thank you for your incredible love towards us, Lord. I pray for healing for every infirm body. Your word says the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And I command every spirit of infirmity to leave. I am speaking the healing and the strength of God as our portion. And pray for every troubled mind. I speak your peace. He said you will have tribulation in this world. But in me, peace. I speak that peace. For the children who are worried about exams. And the older ones who are worried about paying bills. I speak the same peace. I pray your peace will guard every heart of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. I pray the joy of the Lord will be our portion through this month. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We lift up holy hands by faith now. And we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and Amen, Amen.